Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews. Don't let anybody get in your way. Follow your dream. Do it the right way. Be honest about it. Do the right thing when nobody's looking. That's the greatest advice I can give you. Taking you beyond the ropes. The most exciting part about a golf game is the ball curved. Now we live in a world where there's no curve. It's pull or push and bombs away. I believe the complete player of the future is going to know both art and data. Unforgettable stories. Fluff would call me after a practice round, and he would say to me, Peter, this kid Tiger Woods hits shots like I've never seen. This kid is unbelievable. And then Tiger would call like 20 minutes later and say, Peter, you won't believe this. I registered and they gave me a free car to drive. A bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the program on this Tuesday. Rocket Mortgage Classic will be the event this week, and I'm going to go through the air times with you. We already know who the featured groups are going to be. We'll be getting to all of that. What I didn't get to yesterday was some of the sound that I know you guys wanted to hear, including... Phil Mickelson and Rory McIlroy, and then we took Dustin Johnson and and took his press conference and put it in what we call a best of to kind of summarize it for you. You can't hear all of these press conferences on our Fairways of Life platforms. Just log on to fairwaysoflife.com, or even better, if you have the Fairways of Life app, that which works everywhere around the world, always for free, that everything is loaded on there. It's, it's, it's a great portal to go to, or every major audio platform anywhere around the world is carrying fairways of life content. So we're easy to find. And amongst that, you will see, as I mentioned, full press conferences from the players. Now coming up today, they do have a full slate of press conferences scheduled. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau's after lunch today. Will Gordon, who has special temporary membership now, uh, will be in the afternoon. Webb Simpson will be tomorrow. Uh, Victor Hovland and Ricky Fowler and Bubba Watson from the Rocket Mortgage are TBD. So we don't know when. Usually when it's TBD, they speak in a flash area after their pro-am round. Usually. I'm just telling you, that's how it usually goes down. So we'll see how that finishes up. But to the sound that we didn't get to yesterday from this past week. He finished tied for 24th and 11 under par, Phil Mickelson. Now, on that mark for Phil Mickelson at 11 under par, there were some signs that were really encouraging. You remember Phil went out in day one, and he was playing alongside of the Young Guns and in day two and went 64-63. Was he influenced by playing along those guys? Yeah, definitely he was. But on the weekend, he, he staggered to 71 both rounds. And even on the final day, dropped 17 spots on the leaderboard to finish in that tie for 24th. So assessing the same following, here's Phil from the Flash area on Sunday. So I'm looking at this week as progress. I mean, certainly the goal is to win golf tournaments, but keep in mind I've missed a bunch of cuts. I haven't played to the level that I've wanted to. And now this week I came in and I had a lot of great signs. I hit a lot of good shots. I hit a lot of good tee shots. My misses were much better. And uh, the weekend I didn't score well. I had a bunch of penalty strokes, what have you, but... It was a, a good week of progress. So I'm going to take this uh, week off here, work on some things. I'm going to play work day, and I'm excited to get back and, and play. I feel like that golf course, Muirfield uh, Village, is a great course for me. And uh, I feel like this was a good momentum builder. There was a lot of good things that happened here that I need to refine. I need to touch up. But I thought a lot of good things happened this week. And, again, it's the goal is to win, but I also need to identify the fact that I made a lot of progress this week too. In this week off, what will you work on? continuing to refine some of the some of the ball striking you know I drove it a lot better I, di- I didn't have the uh, big wipey misses left I had a couple I did one on 10 and I had a couple of them but um, nothing like I've had in the past and uh, my putter was okay uh, I was good the first two days it was just okay this weekend I'll work on that but those things are starting to come around and it gives me some uh, confidence heading into the next couple of tournaments and the the rest of the summer do you have any, any from that oh I thought I thought this that's all. Can I can ask you one more. Yep. Being fit and healthy and looking good, does that change your, you know, you seem very positive about this week and taking it into next. Does that change your attitude as well? 
it's part of it. I mean, I feel really good and I recover faster. I've been able to practice. I've been able to have good practice sessions. But more than that, I finally have, I, I feel like I really have some good direction. And this was a good week in a lot of areas and I'm very optimistic going forward. I don't think this is a one-off. I think it's going to be the start of something really special. And uh, at least that's what I'm sensing. So I, I'm excited to work on it, to refine it, and then get back out at, uh, in Ohio and, and see if I can put it together. All right, Phil Mickelson addressing the press after he finished in a tie for 24th at 11 under par. Hopeful signs for Phil Mickelson, so he has stated to the world. What about Rory McIlroy? Now, McIlroy only finished two strokes deeper into red numbers than did Phil Mickelson, and a lot of it was on the final day. Because he opened with a 63, which, which everyone was saying, yeah, Rory has got it working. And when he fully is on song, it just looks like art. But then after that, he went 68-69, which, as you know, at the Travelers Championship is just okay when people atop the leaderboard are shooting 61-62s, even 63s, you know, around that area, the same as Rory had in round one. But then in the final round, he ended up bouncing back of sorts with the 67. Could it have been even lower than that for Rory McIlroy? His ball striking with the 63 was majestic. But the putter was kind of start and stop. And I, I noticed with Roy, obviously, that has a lot to do with his proximity to hole. So after Rory finished 13 under par, tied for 11th, not bad, but outside the top 10 again for Rory, which is which has been something that's been like shocking to him. What's happening, I think, with Rory is that he normally overcomes the missed opportunities. He does it through such exceptional ball striking. He, he picks up so many strokes gained on the field, a tee to green that he makes up for that. Well, he hasn't been making up for that as much, and it's popped him just outside of the top 10. And that's not like an 11th place finish is bad, but the difference between that and these top fives and top 10s is that little piece, that little bit of of just being dead on with what he's doing from the tee box and what he's doing approaching from the green. I think the, the, the putter, uh, whether whether it's on in a particular day or off, seems to, seems to be a matter of much, much smaller degrees. It, it pretty much is not a strength of his game and really hasn't been. Here's Rory McIlroy in the flash area afterwards. I don't know, frustrating in a way. Um, again, like as I said yesterday, there's been some really good stuff in there, but then just some really stupid mistakes. Um, even today, like I you know, got off to a good start and then, you bogey the easy holes, and it's just, it's a little too, um, little too up and down, a little bit roller coasterish, um, <laughs> or it didn't really feel like that before we, um, before we stopped. You know, it was sort of quite consistent, and you know, sort of building, sort of rounds very nicely, and you know, a lot of pars, few birdies, not many mistakes. Just over the last three weeks, I've just made too many mistakes, too many bogeys. Um, too many loose shots, um, and that was sort of what it was this week as well. Over, uh, is your next event the Memorial? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, probably Memorial, maybe the one before, but um, the way I'm feeling right now, I feel like a couple of weeks off. <laughs> it, w- when you do go home, to, to tighten up some of those loose shots, what do you think you need to work on? Um, Honestly, I think playing golf and just being a little sharper, decision-making. Decision-making was, like, terrible the last few days. Just some stupid shots and trying to take too much on at times. And so um, I think, you know, probably playing a little bit and, and, you know, just being a little more thoughtful on the course. And, and, um, yeah, that's there's just sort of dumb mistakes in there that I, I don't usually make. We all know you obviously you work out at home when you're at home, but getting back into into golf shape these three weeks that been tough as well, or just no physically fine. Mentally, mentally is the big thing. It's just getting back into that tournament routine and tournament mode, and that's why I'm sort of wanting a couple of weeks off more than anything else. It's just the the mental aspect of it, um, especially when you are frustrated. You know, I've been frustrated on the course the last three weeks, not being sort of in contention, and you know. It sort of sucks going off in the middle of the pack on a Sunday, um, knowing that you don't really have a chance. So, um, yeah, a couple of weeks at home maybe, just reset and and uh, start again. Ooh, I thought that was fascinating, those comments from Rory McIlroy. And it's 
you know, I, I was telling you guys yesterday that on Sunday's morning drive, that was the conversation I had. They were asking me about Jordan Spieth, and they were saying, well, you know, Jordan didn't really play well. Is this a regression and all the rest? And I was like, you know what? They're just back again. This is a sprint. They haven't played for months. And Roy just told us it's not the physical side. They've all been probably working out like crazy. Not all of them, but but a lot of them have been working out like crazy. So they're, they're fine physically. They're young, young and strong. But the mental side was a bit of a grind, and I thought we kind of saw it with different players at the Travelers. I mean, Colin Morikawa missed a cut after after a stretch of, you know, how many uh, cuts did he make? It was it was huge. So in in rounds in the sixties too. So I, I, that that's where my feeling was is that there was some players that need to get some air back in their lungs and just relax a little bit. And I that I thought with Rory from an observer's standpoint was that he came out with such great enthusiasm when golf started again and his, his tee shots in particular looked majestic. They were just brilliant with what he was doing, but the rest of the game just didn't come to him. And it looked like he was pressing a little bit to me. That's just my thought by one, one guy's opinion, a uh, Ben Hogan log on there today. When you get an opportunity and see the wonderful product that they have, that's going to save you a 40%, 50% retail markup because the relationship is direct between you and them, BenHoganGolf.com. So uh, we have the best of presser from Dustin Johnson to play for you. Now, his, his full press conference is longer, and you can hear the whole thing on the Fairways of Life platforms. But this is kind of to summarize it together. Now, what's interesting is that I didn't realize that he was having some trouble with his knee. He thought that it was an injury to the sur- surgery area, but it wasn't. It's, it's, it was a strain on top of that because he kind of told us he didn't do anything during the, <laughs> the quarantine, right? As I was talking about players that were, you know, keeping in shape and doing the rest. He, he said he didn't do that, but I, I'm not sure if that's kind of the Dustin Johnson assessment of his world and the rest of us would look at that and go, oh, my gosh, he was working out nonstop. I just can't tell because that's, that's DJ. But one thing I can't tell you is that when you hear him in press conference for the reputation that DJ has, he's a lot more thorough in terms of his thinking process, in terms of, of someone sitting back and going, oh, that's interesting. There, there's, there's some real depth to the answers that he is providing, and that's what you're going to hear from Dustin Johnson. I want to just give you a little preview of what we're going to do after this as well. When we, We're going to play a Dustin. It's a pretty good chunk of time here. Then we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of because all the news yesterday about uh, the NBC getting back the rights to the U.S. Open. It's really the USGA rights because it's way more than just the, the U.S. Open. And what does that mean? And what do the ratings all mean? Do they mean anything to golf and all the rest? I think you'll be fascinated by some of the information uh, that Dom's been mining so far today. Frenchlick.com, when you get a chance, log on and see the wonderful resort that sits in America's heartland. It's got two historic hotels. It's got the new luxury suites, everything that is there on offer, to offer, and it's a place for you to kind of get away that's close. And feel even if you haven't been there before, it's going to feel very familiar to you, and it's packed with things to do, and you can do it absolutely as safely as you want to as well. Bridgestone Golf wants to make sure that you're playing the right golf ball. Get V-Fit at Bridgestone Golf and ensure that the golf ball that you're playing fits your swing and fits your game so you can perform as best as you possibly can. All right, here's DJ, best of presser from Sunday. It's very exciting to get, get my 21st win and then you know get my first win of the season. Um, you know, it was, it was big, you know, I hadn't, cause I hadn't played very well. So, um, but I put in a lot of good work the last couple of weeks, um, you know, after colonial. And so it, it's nice for, to see the game to start coming around. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely strange playing with no fans, but you still could feel the pressure. You still could feel, you know, how important the golf tournament is. And, you know, you know, coming down the stretch, it, it to me, it felt the same whether it was, you know, a million fans or zero. So, um, you know, but it was strange not seeing a whole bunch of people around the 18th green. You know, you, you, your demeanor is obviously so flatlined that, you know, we, we, we kind of wonder if stuff ever gets to you, whether you're nervous or not, or stressed. And you did, you kind of did mention that you don't, you just don't show it, that you do feel the stress. But can you talk a little bit about what the stretch was like for you? I know you mentioned on television that, that the, that the hour layoff, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of made you think about things a little bit. But you know, just starting back to thirteen, when you 
when you hit that ball out of bounds, it just looked like it was a little wobbly down the stretch, but then you come back and um, yeah, you know, it was. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't driving it good. I wasn't driving it really good all day. Um, you know, but I was hitting my irons well, and I felt like all week I've hit my irons really good. You know, yesterday I drove it in the fairway a lot, and so obviously I had a lot of looks at birdies today. Um, you know what? I didn't hit many fairways, and that was that was the big difference. But yeah, thirteen. I mean, it's a tough tee shot, and you know I pulled it just a hair. It wasn't that bad of a tee shot. Obviously, it just carried the bunker. You know, rolled across the cart path there. It was just barely out of bounds, but. Um, yeah, obviously hitting, hitting the provisional or the second tee ball off of that hole. Um, you know, I knew I had to hit a good one and, and I did. So, um, you know, made a nice bogey there and then came right back and made birdie on 14. But, um, yeah, I mean, sitting there obviously made a nice par save on 15. And so, you know, I felt good. I had, you know, the confidence I was, you know, ready to finish out the golf tournament. And then obviously they blow the horn. So, you get to go sit in the clubhouse for an hour and um you know just coming out we we had a few minutes to warm up so it wasn't like I was stiff or anything but um you know just caught my caught my shot a little thin on 16 I knew I I was not trying to hit it anywhere near that right bunker and I did so um yeah it was just a poor shot but you know managed to to hold it together and hit some really nice shots on 17 and 18. I'm interested too, you know, how, you know, Streelman was playing well, he was kind of right on you. How aware of you that he was, you know, at some points one or two strokes behind you, kind of making that push? He's a guy who's had good back nine too before, obviously. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, obviously I knew where I knew where we stood, especially after the break. And then, you know, but even before then, I knew I was, I was in the lead. I was, you know, one or two shots ahead. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, obviously when we had the had the break. Then yeah, I definitely knew I had two shot lead standing on 16 t. Um, you know, supposed to hit that ball right in the middle of the green and you know have a 30 footer, but you know got a little greedy and tried to squeeze it over there to the flag and didn't hit a great shot. So, um, but you know hit nice shots on 17 and 18 to finish off the tournament. Dustin, you said a minute ago that you haven't played very well. It's only been 20 tournaments since you won before. In all honesty, I mean, have you ever played an entire season of bad golf ever in your life? Anywhere? I don't think so. And I hope I don't start anytime soon. Is it that consistency something you take pride in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I put in the work. So, it, you know, I feel like, you know, I put in enough hard work to where my game should be should be spot on all the time. Obviously, you know, coming off of, of an injury um, or surgery, you know, last fall and then only playing a couple tournaments before the, you know, before our shutdown, um, you know, so I didn't get really get a lot of golf to get back in a rhythm. And then, you know, coming out, like I said, I, I, I probably wouldn't have played Colonial if it would have been, if it would have been a normal season, there's, I wouldn't have played there because um, I just wasn't ready. I, like I said, I, I, I tweaked my knee, um, you know, so I didn't get to prepare properly. And then I actually went home. I got an MRI, and I actually had a – I thought it was my surgery that was uh, bothering me, but um, it was just a strained tendon. And so worked on that and, you know, worked on the game over, you know, during Hilton Head. I felt like the it was really good. It was really close to being great at Hilton Head. And then obviously coming here, um, you know, I really felt good good about things. Justin, I'm going to channel my inner Fergie since he's not here right now and ask you, uh, um, when you look at 21 wins, um, a major championship, and this record, you know, this streak of, of 13 consecutive years with at least one win, which one of those makes you most proud and why? I mean, I'm proud of all of them, obviously, uh, but I mean, winning the U.S. Open in Oakmont it's pro- is my biggest win for sure, but you know, winning winning 13 years straight on the tour is, is a pretty big accomplishment. So, um, you know, they're they're pretty close to, you know, with uh, you know what I'm most proud of. When you look at the 13 years in a row, and you look at the, the other guys that have done it, what what does that make you? you know, how impressive is that in your mind? Well, anytime you're mentioned with with those guys, uh, with with Tiger, Jack, 
um, I think Arnie. Um, you know, it's you know you got to feel good about that because you know they're they're the best that's ever played this game. So you know, anytime your name's mentioned in the same sentence with them, um, I'm very happy. How awesome was that? That's uh, the best of press conference from Dustin Johnson. You can hear the entirety of his press conference on our Fairways of Life platforms. But the information about the knee, that's – I love the way press conferences generally go nowadays. The information that you get, if you listen to him, if you take the time to listen to him, and, and Dom's constantly preaching to me that what we're doing here in Fairways of Life, providing people with this much depth in these press conferences, providing people with access to information they can't get anyplace else, is that you you hear the mindset, preparation, and the and the – point of what happened with the knee i didn't know it until we heard it right there so it is absolutely awesome is it such with ratings in and around the game now as soon as you hear that i know there's there's a segment of people are like eh, i really don't care because i get what i get where i watch it and uh, i don't care who else is watching it and i respect that position but nonetheless it does provide a tea leaves at the very least in terms of interest of what's going on, where it's going on, and, and how it hits. Some of this you guys are going to already know because you, once you hear it, you'll be like, hmm, yeah, I do fit that pattern in terms of, of where the big numbers are with televised sports and what golf's place is with the same. TourEdge.com, it is a place where you can go and see an amazing array of a product line that goes on and on, and I mean that in a positive way because if there's a hole in yours or someone else that's close to you's game, it could be filled there. If it's a wedge, maybe it's a wingman putter, maybe it's their exotics line, maybe it's their new exotics pro line. I don't know. It depends on the level of play uh, that you have and aspire to, but you can find it all on Tourage. You don't have to mortgage the house again in order to – Buy this equipment at touredge.com. Just check it out today. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And Ireland.com is where you can go to see all the information on the 400-plus golf courses that define the magical place of Ireland. I'm proud to be an ambassador for Tourism Ireland, and Ireland.com is a place where you can go to see why. When we come back, we're going to go down this road of discussing what I think is some fascinating information, including an article that just came out in Global Golf Post that gives details, really inside information. This is articles by uh, Ron Green Jr. about what happened with Fox to NBC and the USGA. Back with more after this. It's likely that the world's greatest Lynx golf courses will be the reason you will want to plan a trip to Ireland. And with over 400 courses to choose from, you're sure to find whatever you seek. But Ireland is about even more than great golf. In this ancient land, the past works hand in hand with the present. From cultural sites to castle ruins. Stay in a country B&B or a luxury hotel and spa. Enjoy inspiring local culinary choices, a pint and music at a cosy pub. But most of all, enjoy the warmth and hospitality of the Irish people who will make you feel that you haven't travelled from home but have returned to it. Visit Ireland.com to get started. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel where there's something for everyone. From Kids Fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old world elegance. Visit our luxurious spa. Indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. At FootJoy, they know the swing starts from the ground up, so you can take on those uphill, downhill, and sidehill lies. That's why FJ provides footwear that you need for superior traction and stability on every shot. Whether it's the all-new Pro SL, the hottest shoe on tour, or the max performance of the all-new Tour X, the all-around comfort and performance of FJ Fury, FJ offers a shoe for every player because finding the right shoe for your game matters. Shop now at FootJoy.com. TourEdge continues their meteoric rise in 2020. Over 90 different tour pros have put TourEdge into their bag, including staffers Scott McCarron, Tom Lehman, Tim Petrovic, and Duffy Waldorf. TourEdge makes clubs for every player type, and they set themselves apart with their unprecedented 48-hour delivery on custom-fit orders and by offering a lifetime warranty and by building their clubs in the good old US of A. Visit TourEdge.com to learn more about their new club for 2020. TourEdge, pound for pound, nothing comes close. 
Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tea times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Tuesday. This is the week of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And the Rocket Mortgage Classic can be seen from Thursday at 3 p.m. Friday at 3. Both these times are Eastern. All these times are Eastern. We have it for you on Golf Channel both of those two days. Saturday, it's split, as it has been the last few weeks, split between us and CBS, 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. on Saturday and on Sunday. PGA Tour Live is on early again, thankfully, wonderfully, on Thursday and Friday, 6.30 a.m. Saturday and Sunday, it starts at 8 a.m. PGA Tour Radio starts at noon on Thursday and Friday and 1 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. So, Dom, do you have the featured groups for this week? I sure do. Hold on. I'll open them up right now. Uh, Here we go. Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, Hideki Matsuyama. The tee times aren't out yet. They'll be out probably tomorrow, uh, but these are the featured groups. Bubba Watson, Jason Day, and Brendan Todd. Ricky Fowler, Nate Lashley, and Webb Simpson. And Brant Snedeker, Terrell Hatton, and Sanjay M. Okay. Those are your featured groups. Featured featured groups. Now, the article I was telling you about that just came out, they don't give a time on these, but uh, Global Golf Post put it just out. It's called Fox Out. Network seeds its remaining USGA contract to NBC. It's by Ron Green Jr. And he writes, At first glance, the news that the U.S. Open and other USGA events will return to NBC Sports after Fox Sports ended its 12-year agreement less than halfway through has the feelings of putting the band back together. Maybe it is, but it didn't start out that way. The sudden and seismic shift in television partners wasn't the USGA's doing. Critics of Fox Sports golf coverage, and there have been many, wasted little time suggesting the USGA had come to its senses in reuniting with NBC Sports, which televised the U.S. Open from 1995 through 2014. In fact, the change happened recently and stemmed from initial conversations between Fox Sports and NBC Universal about televising the 2020 U.S. Open, which was moved from June to September. That created a programming issue for Fox Sports, which also televises college football, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. The first conversations took place during the spring, but gained momentum in the past two weeks. According to multiple sources, as discussions about NBC taking the 2020 broadcast evolved and NBC Universal showed willingness to assume the deal, Fox Sports executives Eric Shanks, interesting name when you're talking about golf, and Larry Jones brought the idea of transferring the rights to USGA Chief Executive Officer Mike Davis earlier this month. Davis was apparently unaware of the impending change until the time of that presentation. Executives with the Fox Sports golf team were not made aware of the potential change until last Thursday. The rest of the crew, including announcers Joe Buck, Curtis Strange, Paul Azinger, Brad Faxon, and others, were not informed until Sunday afternoon. We were totally blindsided, one member of the Fox Sports team said. A top executive at another network told an acquaintance he was stunned by the move. Under the new agreement, NBC Universal will take over the remaining seven years of the Fox Sports deal, which was assigned in 2013 for a reported $1.1 billion and took effect in 2015. 
The network will also receive digital rights under the revised deal. As part of the agreement, NBC Universal, which owns Golf Channel and the upcoming Peacock streaming platform, will televise the four scheduled USGA championships this year the U.S. Women's Amateur, the U.S. Amateur, the U.S. Open, and the U.S. Women's Open, and will televise eight USGA events annually through 2026. The USGA will continue to receive the same rights fee reported at $93 million annually, though it is believed Fox Sports will pay a portion of the fee with NBC Universal taking on the rest. It is believed Fox Sports was losing tens of millions of dollars annually on its USGA package, and the new agreement gets the company out from under the bulk of what it owed to the USGA. At its annual meeting earlier this year, the USGA revealed that it had $211 million in revenue in 2019, with $114 million of that coming from media rights. The move is another in the challenging world of media rights within golf. Earlier this year, the PGA Tour announced new deals through 2030 that increased by more than 60% on the previous contracts. Advertising, however, remains a challenge as the COVID-19 pandemic continues. In returning to NBC Universal, the USGA will be able to have its events on Golf Channel, including a future return to coverage of sectional qualifying called Golf's Longest Day for the U.S. Open, as well as generating live-from programs at the U.S. Women's Open. With a, package, with a packed golf schedule in the spring, NBC will be able to fully promote the U.S. Open, which was rebranded this year with the tagline, From Many, One. Quoting, This deal is advantageous for all parties, including NBC Sports, Golf Channel, Peacock, and the USGA but also Fox Sports, and we thank them for working with us to complete this tra transaction, end quote. Pete Bavacqua, president of NBC Sports, said in a press release. While Johnny Miller won't be in the 18th hole tower for NBC Sports U.S. Open telecasts, he retired early in 2018. Paul Azinger will remain the lead analyst as he was with Fox Sports. That doesn't mean that Azinger got any more of a heads up than anyone else. Azinger said to that, quoting, it was really a closely guarded secret. I had no idea. I got a call Sunday night and was caught totally off guard. But the reasoning, as it was explained to me, made sense. While we're proud of the success we've built over these last few years, this is a win for golf fans everywhere, a win for the USGA and a win for Fox and NBC Sports, said Eric Shanks, chief executive officer and executive producer. NBC Universal now has a long-term agreement with the PGA, as well as agreements to televise the Open Championship and the Ryder Cup. When the USGA parted ways with Comcast, NBC's parent company, that was back in 2013, it led to a strained relationship between the organizations. At times, that resulted in strained coverage of some USGA events by Golf Channel. For whatever reason, traditionalists not accepting Joe Buck as the lead announcer debuting with a Chambers Bay at U.S. Open, or just a long-standing affinity for what is familiar, Fox Sports and the U.S. Open never fully connected with the golf-watching public. It wasn't for lack of trying or innovation or expertise, says analysts Azinger, Strange, Faxon, Julie Inkster, or others in the Fox team who know their stuff, but five U.S. Open telecasts into what was and to, was to have been a 12-year relationship between Fox and USJ never felt like, say, the Masters on CBS. Buck drew must have the criticism. On Monday, he tweeted, Nance, Hicks, Tirico are all better at calling golf than me. But I would put our production up against anybody's. Our innovation in drone shots and overall effort to try new things push golf coverage forward. And for that, I am most proud. Our producer, Mark Loomis, was a master tutor. End quote. That was from Ron Green Jr. You can find it on the Global Golf Post. It's called Fox Out Network Seeds Its Remaining USGA Contract to NBC. Excellent article, and I thought it gave us some insight that we did, have not previously had on this, particularly the reaction from members of the team that found out on Sunday what's going on. Uh, Global Golf Post, again, is where you can find it, globalgolfpost.com. So, Dom, is there any ratings data? 
that you can find that would support uh, maybe Ron's contention that uh, I'm just curious here. I'm not I'm not making a judgment myself. I'm just curious. This this idea that the U.S. Open on Fox didn't really connect. What do, what do we know in terms of, of actual ratings number comparatively that would support or, or not support that, that uh, position? Uh, well, we know definitively uh, that it didn't connect because the ratings were lower than basically all the previous U.S. Opens. Uh, and I'll give you some examples and then I'll give you some averages. So when they took over in 2015, they, they did their first broadcast, Fox did, of the U.S. Open. They had a rating of 4.2, which is roughly 6.5 to 7 million viewers, which is pretty good. As years went on, the ratings were in the low threes, which is hovering right around 5 million people. The average rating that Fox had uh, during their reign was 3.66, which is in the neighborhood of about 5.5 million people. Now, I'm and not how, give- Let me ask you a question. Maybe you don't know the answer to this. How does 3.66 compare <clears throat> to your average PGA Tour event? Well, it's higher than the average PGA Tour event for sure. I mean, the majors. Like 30%, if, if uh, me. Roughly, yeah. I would say the average rating for a PGA Tour event, the average, is probably in the low twos, 2.1, something like that. So it's probably 2 million people more are watching that we're watching the U.S. Open on Fox than we're watching, say, a regular PGA Tour event. Okay. Um, I, I think for the, for the sake of this discussion moving forward, I'll just, if, when you want something, I'll give you it in millions of viewers because a lot okay. of people don't understand, you know, 6.9. Yeah, the rating it, nobody, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're it's just, confusing. They're just, so, it's like code. I'll just give you the millions of the viewers. Now, keep in mind that the numbers I just gave you for Fox are the average, the average for the week of the tournament. So, for example, the, the, the audience in millions of people on Sunday, the last hour of coverage when they're crowning a champion, are significantly higher than the first hour of coverage during the first round on Thursday. But, but the numbers that you get in total are really the people who are interested in watching that major championship, and it gives you a sense of the, the real true audience size versus... You know, as an example, last year at the Masters, when Tiger won, the 15 minutes that he was crowned champion, this, the ratings were like out. They made even they made no sense. But if you if you look at just the ratings from the 2019 Masters with Tiger Woods in contention, they're really good ratings, but they're nothing compared to like the last 40 minutes when he was crowned champion. So the the short answer to your question is. Unequivocally, the ratings for Fox in the five years that they did the U.S. Open are significantly lower. The the average, I'll go down right here for you, said 5 million people, 5.5 million people is the average I just gave you uh, mm-hmm. of the U.S. Open this when Fox, these are the years prior to Fox taking it. 8 million, 9.5 million, 7.5 million, 9.5 million, 7.1, 12.1 million, 9.5 million, 7 million. That's a, this is a huge disparity in these numbers, Matt, that I'm giving you. And I'm just going back into the early 2000s now. Now, some of those, like 2008, 12.1 million, right? It stands out, makes no sense. Of course, Tiger Woods wins, and that's what happens. But the rest of them, we're still talking about not quite, but almost double the amount of people watching than we're watching on Fox. And, you know, I, I don't know how you explain that. I know that you and I talked briefly about the, I think off the air, about the idea that when it shifted to Fox, you've kind of got a section of golf that's an older population that's been watching in the same place for decades, and they can't find it in these new locations. That may be a percentage of that, but if we're talking about almost double, or you could say losing half the ratings, it has to be more than that. There's got to be another layer to it somewhere. Interesting. Um, I, uh, it's just interesting to me. Can you give me a comparison in a a U.S. Open year where there wasn't, you know, Tiger wasn't a factor on one of the other channels? Uh, it, it can, I'm just trying to get an talking about for the apples. U.S. Open, or what are you talking about? U.S. Here? Open, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like, in 2015, I mean, you still had Jordan Spieth and you had Dustin Johnson battling at Chambers Bay, right? Uh, in 2016, we had DJ at Oakmont and all the controversy that went along with it, but Tiger really wasn't a factor there. 
and compare that to, I mean, geez, name the year with Tiger. You want to go, say, 2014 at Pinehurst when when uh, Martin Keimer won? Uh, and is is that a comparison that we that we could make? I mean, I think you could. I mean, I think that if you look at what I have in front of me, Matt, is a, is a chart. It is fascinating for those that are interested. It's a chart of all of the ratings for all four of the majors for the last several decades. And so what's interesting if you look at it as a whole and see the trends is, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier, Matt, I I'm wondering if there needs to be a shift in how we're, I guess, marketing the best that golf has to offer because the numbers in the millions for the ratings when Tiger is winning or he's finishing second, let's say, are they don't even fit. They make no sense. Like I just told you the average rating is about five and a half million people for the U.S. Open when Fox is doing it. The average rating when Tiger wins is like 13 million people. It's like almost three times. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit anywhere else and from across the majors. And so it makes you wonder, like you're talking about Spieth and DJ and you know Rory, a lot of these big names in these, in these big spots and huge pressure, historical moments, and the numbers are so much lower with them in contention. Do you think that's a result of poor marketing? Has someone's personality just not connected? Or is it simply a case of, Tiger's historical precedence is just doesn't fit anything, and it's just an aberration. Oh, it's definitely that. It's definitely that. So you I don't mean, think it's we that could, way? That's why I'm trying find to find somebody common, else. Well, that's why I'm trying to find common lines. It's the same thing with a regular PGA Tour event. You know, I remember when I was when I was on the club side and managing, and we used to have to buy uh, the 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 one during the height of Tiger's reign. I was at Newport National, and we would advertise on on local cable television throughout uh, southern New England, primarily Rhode Island, but it went into Massachusetts, some and Connecticut, some a little bit too. And what we would do, what I would do, is I would go through and I had the PGA Tour schedule and I would pick the events that I wanted our commercials to run in. Well, I'm dealing with, you know, with all due respect, someone that's a salesperson for, I don't even remember what the name of the local cable company was. I think it was Cox, but... So they have, you know, they're like, well, tell us where you'd like your commercials to run. And I would go through, Dom, and I'd pick the events that Tiger was playing. Because I, I knew where Tiger was going to play. I, you know, we were doing You're the show. You're a smart golf this. guy, man. <laughs> right? I would pick all of Tiger's events. And they didn't know that I was cherry-picking the ones that would get the highest ratings. They had no clue. They didn't care. To them, it was just a bunch of golf tournaments. And then I would run ads in uh, Golf Central. Right, and I forget where else I put. Oh, a couple of uh, a couple events that were like on CBS. Uh, I I think I may have had one in the Masters, but that was super expensive, so I didn't do much there. So when it was all said and done, I had all these people coming up to me and going, "I can't believe the amount of commercials you guys run. You guys are everywhere all the time." And I would smile because I knew what was really happening is they were they were watching the event because Tiger was playing. And the other events that Tiger wasn't playing at that time, this particular demographic wasn't watching. So they thought that we were on all the time. They just assumed that we were on constantly, and it was, and that's, that's what happened. I and think I, for, I, an average, for an average tour event, Matt, Tiger is worth probably about an extra million people. So if you look is that at, what your numbers are showing? Yeah, you? if you look at the PGA Tour and their typical... And that's, what, a 50% or a, or a 30 or 40% increase? Oh, I'm really bad at doing the percentages in terms of math. The average tour event's probably about 2 million to 2.5 million people are watching that event. And, and when you Tiger's just added playing, a million to it. It's about 3.5 to 4 million when Tiger's in that event. So, it de- I mean, there's a jump, but it's not astronomical. Just for some, some it's another, astronomical, well, another layer of context here. So... If you break down the ratings of the four major championships, the least watched is is the Open Championship. And the U.S. Open and the PGA are close. This is over a period of 20, 30 years that I'm looking at. I wonder if that's because the Open's on in the morning. It is. It is. And I'll give you, an, I'll give you a very specific, a specific example of why I know that to be the case. Um, the U.S. Open probably as a whole has had uh, better ratings over the last 30 years than the PGA Championship. And then, of course, the Masters is the behemoth of golf. The average Masters viewers 
especially if you take Tiger out of the mix, is probably about 11 million people. That's how many people watch the Masters every year. That's the average. If you look at the U.S. Open and you look at the PGA Championship, that number on average, especially without Tiger Woods, is probably more in the 7 to 8 million range. Now, if you add Tiger over the years to all these, those averages are going to go up because, as an example, you know, the PGA Championship in the early 2000s, when Tiger wasn't in contention, 6, 7 million people. Tiger's in contention, 10, 11 million people. So, you know, it almost doubles the ratings. <laughs> now, an example, a very specific example to the Open Championship numbers being a little lower because of the morning viewership. Last year, again, remember, this is an average I'm giving you. Last year, the Masters ratings were 10.8 million people, about 11 million people, okay, when Tiger won. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, that makes no sense. Tiger won. It was the greatest comeback in the history of sports. It's the best rating ever. What are you talking about? It's not. It's actually the lowest of his Masters victories. And the reason is, if you remember, is they moved all the tee times way up because of weather. So everything changed and everyone had to play super early, just like you'd be watching the Open Championship super early. So the ratings are actually incredible considering that they were that early in the morning because if you look back at his other victories in the early 2000s, I mean, in 2001, 19 million people, 97, 20 million people watched in 1997. That is insane. So, uh, you know, it just shows you the impact that he has. But to me, it is interesting that the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open viewership is about the same. And it's definitely note, it's, it's a note that uh, Fox's coverage averaged about 3.6 in viewership, which is about 5.5 million people. And that is, if you look historically at the last 30 years, that's probably a good 3 million people uh, below the average U.S. Open prior to Fox taking over. There could, there could be a lot of reasons for that, but that's interesting. Yeah, and it's a story that will continue because, you know, you've got all these variables. The The U.S. Open going to September. Sure, you'll be able to do a comparison of ratings from one U.S. Open to the next, one media entity to the next. Sure, easy, easily done. Numbers are numbers. But then when you consider, well, wait a minute, this U.S. Open's in September – and we've already heard Fox initially started these conversations. Because they're like, ah, we got Major League Baseball, we got college football, we got the NFL. How will those events, and this is assuming that the coronavirus doesn't get crazy and start to consume events again. I mean, the actual holding of events with, with or without fans. But how are we to assume that those other events, which which people have been denied and thirsting for, are not going to be a, a significant draw away from the golf ratings again? So you have another year we have to go out ah, 2020. We really can't we really can't say anything about 2020 because there is no comparison. You know, so that that's all of it. It's to me, it's it's all it's all fascinating. It's something to keep an eye on and. Uh, we will continue to to do the same. Obviously, I'm saying all this in the context of you guys already knowing that I work for NBC Universal. I'm delighted that it's back. Absolutely delighted. So, uh, you know what, Tom? I got I got a message yesterday asking about the studio. They're like, "Hey, you mentioned this new studio you guys are working on, TV studio, but I haven't given us any details." That is correct. We haven't yet. We're still uh, we're still putting the finishing touches on it. We've got new cameras coming in that are going to get here tomorrow. So we, we've started producing content. I did, I did a bunch of uh, equipment segments from the new studio uh, for PGA Tour Superstore and Golf Channel that, have, that aired around the world. And we're just, going to, we're just continuing to get used to it and work with it. And as soon as we know more about what we're going to do and where and when and how, uh, we're going to let you know. But we are going to do stuff, and we're super excited about the, the future. Just one more wrinkle one more add-on on the platform of Fairways of Life. So, uh, I, and you know me, I'm, I've always been honest with you guys. I just don't know all the answers to the questions yet. We're still, we're still figuring out the direction. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great Tuesday. Uh, it was a pleasure spending this time with you, as it always is, uh, hearing from some big names from what took place this past week and getting ready for what's in store for this week, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and looking forward to continuing our conversation as we have. You guys have a good Tuesday. Bye for now. Wearing the right golf shoe matters. That's why FootJoy offers more styles of shoes for more types of players than anybody else. 
so you can get matched with the right golf shoe for your game on footjoy.com with the FJ Shoe Finder. By answering a few short questions, you can find the shoe that fits your playing style and preference. Whether you walk or ride, prefer cleated or spikeless, ultra-stable or flexible. If you need a narrow or wide or extra-wide, Footjoy offers the most styles for the most players and can match you with the golf shoe that's right for you. Does your golf shoe match your game? Find out with the FJ Shoe Finder. Visit footjoy.com slash shoe finder today. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgetone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, I made superior product. So I did. I came back, and I started playing with the Bridgetone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. At Ben Hogan Golf, we manufacture some of the finest golf equipment in the world in our small factory in Fort Worth, Texas. That's because we build each club by hand using the same process Mr. Hogan created when he started his company 65 years ago. We call it micromanufacturing, no mass production, and no shortcuts. Visit BenHoganGolf.com to learn more about our tour quality products and factory direct prices. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Core, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. <laughs> 